Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 22. What you are doing, you would open our ears to your word this morning. And Father, I pray that all the words that I speak would be in the name of Emmanuel, the God who is with us today and forevermore. Amen. Well, good morning. It's uh, it's a real privilege uh, to be here with you this morning at this uh, juncture as we end one year, a very difficult, a very challenging uh, year for so many of us, and we look forward, uh, if that's the right term, uh, perhaps with some trepidation uh, to the year ahead. This time between Christmas and the new year is a very strange time uh, in the calendar. It's a time when nothing very much ever happens. But maybe after the year that we've had, the prospect of a week where nothing very much ever happens is to be celebrated and welcomed. But in any case, I hope that you've had a really good Christmas, even if some of the last-minute restrictions uh, that were brought in meant that necessarily. Uh, I'm sure that for many of you, uh, your plans will have been uh, changed at the last minute. Today is sometimes called Low Sunday. Uh, That's Sunday after Christmas, after the excitement uh, of the big day when everyone just feels a little bit tired and a bit exhausted and a bit down uh, about everything. But good people of Bangor Parish, I have news for you this morning. News number one is this. Christmas in the church tradition is not just a day, it is a season. We are only three days in, so I say party on, keep eating the mince pies, Keep going with the turkey, even if you're sick of it, and let's all have a great time between now and Epiphany. And the second piece of great news I have to cheer us all up this morning is this. This piece of news I am about to give you is absolutely guaranteed to dispel any sense of gloom uh, that you may be feeling this morning. It's going to absolutely get rid of any low Sunday vibes that you may be feeling And this amazing, brilliant news that I bring to you this morning is, it's only 363 sleeps until Christmas. So rejoice. One really crucial blessing that we live under is that whatever life throws at us from one year to the next, at least we live in the certainty of Christmas. We celebrate the birth of the Christ child each December the 25th, come what may, in whatever shape that celebration might take. But we do so in the knowledge that the promise of Emmanuel has come true, that God is with us, that hope is here. So this morning... Spare a thought, if you will, for poor Simeon and Anna in today's gospel reading. These two had been waiting their whole lives for the arrival of the promised Messiah. Year after year after year they had been waiting. It must have been absolutely exhausting. And it must have been testing. And it must have been a bit dispiriting at times as well. 
But Simeon, we are told, was a righteous and devout man. And Anna, we are told, worshipped in the temple day and night. These two never gave up hope. And God blessed their faith when he chose this man and this woman to reveal first to Mary and Joseph and then to the people of Jerusalem that the child being presented in the temple was none other than the long-awaited Messiah. For years, the people of Israel had been waiting for what Simeon calls consolation, for comfort from affliction, for light in the darkness. And now finally, here it was. So I think the first thing we need to say this morning is this. If you have been waiting and waiting and waiting on some breakthrough in your life and praying and praying and praying about it, then this morning be encouraged by the resilience, by the fortitude, by the trust, by the faith of Simeon and Anna. Because I think sometimes we are people who pray for things and if we think that God hasn't responded within about a week, we begin to give up. We begin to wonder if he's ever heard our prayers at all. So this morning, if that is you, be encouraged by the story of Simeon and Anna that while, of course, we do not choose the timing of God's answer to prayer, be assured that he hears every prayer. So if at the dawn of this new year, you are waiting for some form of breakthrough in your life, and you've been waiting for that breakthrough for, for what feels like a very long time, then please take inspiration from the story of Simeon and Anna, and do not give up. Simeon and Anna had been steadfast, they had been devout, they had been unwavering in their faith, and yet there must have been many trials and tribulations along the way. I don't know about you, but I find their faith and their quiet humility incredibly inspiring. And I find the ways in which God uses them really encouraging too. These are two people who were at least in their mid-80s, and in fact, some scholars say that Simeon was much older uh, than that. Some translations of Luke's gospel rather delicately say of Anna that she was of a great age, which I think is a reminder to us that we should always be sensitive when speaking about people's age. But here's the amazing thing. While Simeon and Anna were at least in their mid-80s, their ministry was only just coming into its own. God chose, and the Spirit guided these great stalwarts of the faith to be in the temple at that crucial moment for the presentation of Jesus. And God chose to reveal to them that this was the Messiah. And I think there is a very important and indeed a very timely message in that for all of us today. One of the most cruel, one of the most dispiriting aspects of this coronavirus that we have been living with 
over the past uh, nine or ten months has been its disproportionate effect on older people in society. And I don't just mean physically, because I think at a certain level we all understand that as the body gets older, its ability to resist disease declines. What I'm referring to instead is this great epidemic, this great pandemic of loneliness and isolation that has gripped so many older people in our society. And as a society, the rest of us have barely begun to address the ramifications of all of this. In the first wave of this virus, people were told that just because they were in an older age bracket that they had to shield, that they had to stay in the house, that they could not come into physical contact with anyone. And don't get me wrong, the policy was absolutely put in place for all of the right reasons. But it took its toll on people in terms of mental health, in terms of the quality of uh, life impact that it had. And we should be thankful today that these negative repercussions of all of that policy have been recognized by policymakers. And then there are people in care homes who cannot to this day meet in person with their relatives. Again, this is done for the right reasons, but it is done at a huge emotional and psychological cost to the person in the care home and to the relative who cannot visit the care home. And this year, as we have started to learn to communicate with each other via screens, please let us never forget that this apparent solution to confinement excludes those who are less confident in using technology and excludes those who cannot afford to pay for it. If any older person listening today feels any of this pain or feels perhaps left behind as society has rushed to embrace what we call this new normal, then be encouraged by the story of Simeon and Anna. Be encouraged that the Lord sees you, the Lord hears you, the Lord knows you, the Lord loves you, the Lord is with you, and the Lord values you. Over these recent months, it has been the wisdom and the experience, the listening ear, the quiet prayer, the unforced advice, the perspective, the warm encouragement of older friends in this place that so many of us have come to rely on and have found so encouraging. God values you and the church of Christ, the body of Christ, is strengthened by you. What a beautiful picture we have in Luke's gospel this morning of Jesus in the temple with his earthly parents, with the octogenarian Simeon and Anna, because what we've got in this picture is a very powerful snapshot of the multi-generational church, the family of God, 
each with our important role to play. The church gets a lot of stick these days. And sometimes, let us be honest, it is fully deserved. Like all institutions, the church has its flaws because it is made up of flawed people like you and like me. But this morning, I want to say there is no institution like the church. At its best, when generations connect together and share in faith and hope and love and service, the church is one of the most powerful instruments for radical transformation in our communities and in our world. But it takes all of the parts to function. All of the parts have a valuable role to play. So today, to our elders, please hear what God is saying in this passage. You are valued. Your worth to God does not diminish with age. Indeed, friends, this year, your most important ministry may only just be beginning. So be encouraged if you've been praying for ages for some sort of breakthrough in your life. Be encouraged if, as an older person, you mistakenly feel that you are no longer of any use to God when you reach a certain age. And be encouraged, though also be challenged, from the final message that I think this passage speaks to us this morning. When he bursts into song on meeting the Christ child, Simeon declares himself ready to die in peace whenever that time would be, because his eyes have seen God in the flesh, God in his full divinity and humanity. Some of you may have been to funerals in the Church of Ireland tradition and in some other traditions as well, where this song that Simeon uh, sings today, the Nunc Dimittis, as it is sometimes called, it is sung or it is sometimes said at the end of a funeral service as the coffin is carried out of the church building. If you have, you will know that it's an incredibly poignant, an incredibly poignant moment, but also in some ways a very powerful moment. And I think a very beautiful moment as well. And that's because at that moment when the coffin is, caught, is carried out to the song of Simeon being sung or said in the background. It's a reminder that when we have faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, as Messiah, that we ultimately leave this earth in peace. And for those of us who are gathered at such a funeral service, yes, we grieve for the loss of the loved one. But we also at that moment feel a comfort and a peace that the deceased one has seen, has encountered the glory of God. When Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel, 
It is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah 49, we read, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. This light then, this light that Simeon sees in the temple, this light embodied in the Christ child, this light is the revelation that the prophecy has been fulfilled because this light is now incarnated, is now embodied in the baby Jesus, the one that Simeon sees in the temple. And that's why as Jesus grows into a man, as his earthly ministry grows and develops, that he is able to proclaim with his own lips, I am the light of the world. True hope, he declares, true comfort, true peace are to be found in him and in him alone. In him was life, the opening to John's gospel says, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It is this light, the true light that gives light to everyone that has kept us going this past year, is it not? It is this light that has been the source of all that is good, even in the midst of dark days. It is this light that has allowed us to lift our eyes from the misery all around us and the misery in which we might be tempted to dwell in and to see instead kindness and compassion and love and support being demonstrated in countless ways. And it is this light that has ensured that the darkness has not and will not prevail. Because where there is light, as the Queen said in her Christmas Day message, there is hope. Jesus Christ then is the light of the world and the hope of the world. But where do we see that light today, if not in a manger or in a temple in Jerusalem? Well, here's the challenge for us all. Because Jesus did not just say, I am the light of the world. He also went on to say in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. In other words, you and I have a responsibility. A responsibility was just actually a privilege to radiate that great gift of light that we have received from him to reflect it so that others might also see the light of Christ. Perhaps through kind words, even in hostile situations. Perhaps through acts of forgiveness, even when we are hurting. Perhaps through selflessness, when we put others' needs ahead of our own. It's an amazing privilege to play our part in reflecting the light of Christ into the world, particularly in these difficult times. 
If you are here today or watching this today and you are a carer for someone this Christmas, and I know how hard going that can be. I know, I know the toll that that takes on people. Then please know that you are the light of the world. If you this Christmas are sacrificing your holidays to think about how best to care for children in a classroom in early January, then please be encouraged that you are reflecting the light of the world. If you are dropping food at a neighbor's door or just checking in on a neighbor who might be lonely, then please this morning be encouraged that you are doing your bit in reflecting the light of the world. If you are a key worker in the health service or in some other emergency service, if you are working in a shop, whatever it may be, then please be encouraged, tough as it is, that you are reflecting the light of the world. So this Christmas and this new year, for all of us who have seen, like Simeon and Anna, the light of God's glory in a troubled world, let us take seriously the privilege of reflecting that light of hope in difficult times. Let us take seriously that privilege of reflecting the light of hope in dark times. Let's try in the weeks ahead to find new opportunities to point others to the source of all hope in troubled times. And in the difficult moments, for there will be some of fatigue, of discouragement, of trials, even of illness itself, let us be assured, let us be carried, let us be comforted by the peace of Emmanuel, knowing that whatever comes our way, Christmas means that God is with us. This week, this month, this new year, and as Christ himself promised, even to the very end of the age. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that the season of Christmas is a season of celebration. A season of celebration because you sent Jesus Christ, our salvation, our Messiah, the great light of hope into the world. Father, this morning we turn our eyes once more to that source of all light and of all hope. And Father, we want to pray that in what might be difficult days or weeks ahead, that Lord, you would keep our eyes fixed on that source of hope. And Father, more than that, we want to pray that like Simeon and Anna in the temple who saw that source of light and hope also, that Lord, you would use us, whatever age we are, whatever our material circumstances, whatever our backgrounds, 
wherever we live, Lord, that you would use us in small or big ways as you choose to radiate light and hope into the lives of the people in our communities, in our families, in our town. And Father, that in so doing, that we would point them to the source of all light itself, 